Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sportland Training and Fitness Sports Talks Podcast, the people behind the posts. Now, constantly, over the last two or three years, all we've heard of is what people are doing in their day-to-day life, in the gym, in their business, and everyone's coming up pretty much with the same things. And you know what? I'm a little bit bored of that. So what I'm here to do is to find out the reasons why people are doing what they're doing. Find out what has scared them. Find out what's put them outside their comfort zone. Find out really what makes them tick because that's where the magic happens. That's what's exciting and that's what's going to help you and it's going to help me push forward in our careers. And you know what? Just have a little bit of a conversation as well while we're at it because at the end of the day, I listen to these in my car. I want to be entertained. So maybe I can help entertain you. Now we both know this is the bit that we all hate in the beginning of podcasts. It's time for the sponsorship. However, don't skip it. Sit tight and listen because I've got a couple of cool things for you. This podcast is sponsored by Team Builder. Team Builder is the world's top software for strength and conditioning coaches for writing training programs online. From the US to Australia to the UK, Team Builder works with the top professional teams, including a majority of the Premier League as well as any level below. Right now, if you use the code SPORTLAND when you start a free trial and gain access to complimentary exercise videos and training templates as part of your trial. You can even keep the programs when you purchase a subscription. So go to teambuilder.com to learn more. Now, teambuilder.com is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This software is cool, and not only for online, it's going to help you organize and structure your teams so much easier. It's paperless. You've got all your wellness reports in there. You've got all your monitoring. You've got all your speed, conditioning. It's a real nice tool, which is going to cut out all those files and paperwork and clunky Excel spreadsheets for you. So check it out. Also, now, what I need to talk to you about is the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network has been set up by Keir Wenham Flat, the rugby strength coach, and Jada Mayo of the Central Virginia Sports Performance pod, uh, Podcasts and Seminars, CVAS for short. This website is the number one place in the world or the universe where you can find the best training, advice, talking to coaches, communicating with people that probably wouldn't answer an email or a cold call from you. So what you need to do is go over there. There's hundreds of lectures from Brian Mann, my, uh, myself, Keir, Henk Krejnov, Dr. Michael Yesis, Buddy Morris. You name it, it's on there. Get yourself over there and check it out. There's a link in the bio that's going to give you two days trial for a dollar. Two days for a dollar to get inside that program and you can see that it's going to be the best investment that you've made for your career at developing yourself as a strength and conditioning coach. I'm on it. I'm watching the lectures every week and, and, and talking to people and making stuff happen. So head over to the bio. Check out the links. Team Builder is a promo code Sportland and also Strength Coach Network. Check the link in the bio. Now time for the podcast. Hey everyone, <laughs> welcome back to the podcast, uh, Sound Portland, this is uh, Understanding the People Behind the Posts, 
And here we go today um, with my good friend Joe of CP Performance, formerly winning trophies in English football with uh, Chelsea ladies. And um, I've known this guy for quite a while now. How long? Since I first started at Wasps? Yeah, probably, what, seven years? Six years? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're about, yeah. Um, so I've known him a while, seen him, seen him grow through his career, doing bits and pieces, and then obviously within that time, there's been families grown and all sorts of stuff going on. So welcome, Joe. Great to have you here, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for having me. No worries. We've rearranged this three times, four times. Um, yeah. And, you know, you're going through a similar process yourself of booking all these things, and it's it's tough, isn't yeah. it? It is tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah when we get on the phone... It's a fun it's journey. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, like typical in the way that, you know, I roll my podcast, we try not to do things too normally, just like my coaching career, really. Um, so, uh, more, more, more than anything, you know, the bit, you know, that whole brief bio and stuff, we'll, we'll just get in straight into the, the, the podcast and the conversation itself. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people will be listening to this podcast, um, and, you know, they'll be, they'll hear women's football, they'll hear the World Cup, they'll hear all of that sort of stuff. But, you know, in anyone who knows these podcasts, listens, they're they're more a storytelling show. That's what we like. We like to tell stories. So, more than anything, sort of, let's just dig, go straight in. How? What is your story from from a coaching point of view, pretty much? Um. So, for for me. Uh, well, where did I start? Where did I begin? I was very, very fortunate um, as an S&C coach to, to work under guys like uh, Hixie and Tappers and stuff like that. When I very first started, got my first volunteer internship, you know, under Wasps, uh, Wasp Academy with you guys when you was there. But um, before that, I was actually um, a junior coach um, through my whole career as a, as a martial artist. I did Wadaroo really young and started coaching that when I was about 13, 14. Um, so I've always done a form of coaching. Uh, yeah. Got into rugby and had a bit of bit of fun playing that. Didn't really coach any of that. Wasn't that good at it. Um, and then, yeah, went and set up a PT business and learned that I enjoyed to more educate myself than actually train PT clients. Yeah. And that's when I went and looked into S&C as a, and becoming an S&C coach. And then was very, very fortunate that I already knew Tom Farrow. Um, Former guest on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I've already known him. I've known him my whole life. So um, I was very fortunate in the sense that he opened up a door by giving me a contact at Wasps, which was Ryan. Um, and then he, he uh, actually brought me in and just threw me in the deep end and yeah sink or swim you know what he's like he was like yeah just go and do this so yeah started coaching with with wasps doing the snc with the smaller younger kids through the academy uh started then after a, a year or two got paid not very much but got paid um and worked under tappers you tom and uh ryan there and then once I'd graduated and, and left, I, um, there wasn't a paid role for me at Wasps, um, you know, what the industry's like. So I applied to go to Chelsea Academy for the Chelsea boys team as a, a movement coach or whatever the application was for. 
interviewed for that, got to the final stages, didn't get it because I had no experience in football. Um, but they liked me, um, which is weird. Not many people do. And, uh, it's half the battle, man. It's half the battle. <laughs> yeah, and then... Um, they called, I, I said to them, can I get some experience? They called me up two weeks later and they said, the women's team need an S&C coach. Do you want it? So I took it. Yeah. Uh, that was pay. That was full-time hours, part-time pay, um, as most S&C jobs are. Yeah. Uh, I built the relationship with the staff there to actually improve and understand, you know, the importance of the S&C in that, in that industry, in that game. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing was getting initially getting the staff on board yeah. Uh, as a as an SNC coach in football, you know they, especially somewhere like Chelsea, where they were like you know thoroughbred footballers, you know they're they're footballers through and through, and that's what they do. Um, to actually turn around and say, well, actually, we could probably get these players a little bit stronger, a little bit quicker if we do some stuff in the gym. Yeah. They, um, you know, they took a little bit of time, but I coached the coaches um, first, yeah. built a relationship with those, and then they understood what I was doing and that I wasn't going out there to hurt anyone I was only out there to keep them on the grass I think they'd had some bad experiences with S&C coaches before yeah and they tie you all with the same brush um, yeah. yeah and then it developed into a full-time role and I expanded the department over four years it, I was there exactly four years from the day I signed my first contract to the day I left um, and over those four years I'd gone from one me uh, part-time hours uh, sorry full-time hours part-time pay to Having, I think, just as I left, I think there was seven members of staff in the whole department. Nice. Including, um, so replacing me when I left was a head of performance, a football fitness coach, and a gym-based strength coach. Yeah. Um, and then we had a data scientist, and then we had um, at least two um, S&C coaches in the development and academy. So it's a pretty, pretty cool journey. Yeah, yeah. Let's um, let's roll back the gears and yeah. uh, go right back to the beginning um, when you are faced with because uh, I think this is the thing, like which is the interesting side of um, this story is like you, what goes through your head when you like, and this is this is fucking brilliant as well because it's like oh. We don't want to give you a job working with the men because you've got no experience with football. So we're going to give you a job yeah. running the women's team, but you've still got no experience in football. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, okay, cheers, mate. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. They, you, like, straight away, you, they kind of, like, devalue that excuse. And anyone listening to this podcast has gone for a job and not got it. You, you don't cool. get... You don't get, you know, you don't get the shots that you don't take, and but and there's some funny excuses. But then when you get that phone call, like it's like, what goes through your head there? Uh, honestly, I yeah. just went, it's a job, take it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I didn't, I didn't really know what to think or to expect. I weren't expecting it. Yeah, uh, it was kind of out of the blue, and um, as soon as. As soon as they messaged me and said, this opportunity is here, do you want it? I said, yes. I grabbed it with two hands, and I was like, I'm going to make that mine. Um, And um, I initially did it with the intention of doing PT or something on the side because I needed to make money. Uh, But once I got going, uh, met the staff staff and met the players, I was engrossed and 
yeah. I just spent all my time there. I, it, to me, at the start, it didn't matter about the pay because uh, I, I'm fortunate enough. My my wife was earning good enough salary to keep us supported, um, which yeah, is man. I think the key. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Because she was keeping us afloat, I was just like, just throwing myself in the deep end, get involved in everything. I was doing everything for the for the women's department anyway. I was running everything from the ladies' first team right the way down to the girls' under-10s. So my days were getting there about 7.38 and then not leaving till like 10 o'clock in the evening um, because obviously the girls' academy trained in the evening. So um, it didn't take long for me to build the relationships with the staff for them to turn around and go, actually, you're working too much. And I was like, yeah, I need a hand. Yeah. Um, so that's that was pretty cool. It, but if it wasn't for building those relationships, then I would have been pretty screwed. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, 100%. Which, that comes back to one of your posts recently, like 99% of coaches fail, not because of not good coaches, but because they don't build relationships. So true. Yeah. You know, the management give you a job, and if you are a dick... Yeah. Like the players will get rid of you. It doesn't matter yeah. how good you are. Yeah. If you don't build those relationships, you're off. You know, yeah. so especially in football, uh, where it seems that player power is so high. Um yeah, yeah. and you know, my experience on that on that post is that, you know, a lot of if, if a lot of people's relationships would change towards one another if that person was paying them to coach them. So, like, that's the yeah. problem that... And this is what creates terrible coach-athlete relationships because that coach feels that he has power over those players when, actually, you're working for them. And yeah, 100%. responsibility so, is there to do that. I, I completely agree. It's always been a bugbear of mine when you hear an SNC coach say, my athlete, they're not your athlete, you're their coach. Yeah. It's the other way around. Um, and that's always something I've tried to, um, to to aspire to keep driving in anyone I've ever worked with is actually they're not your athlete. You're their coach. You work for them. Yeah. So, you know, like let them have their input, but make them accountable, you know, and build that relationship because I've got a great relationship with players now. Like you say, the Women's World Cup's on. Yeah. I, you know, I'm getting messages from from some of the players at the World Cup and just talking about things. You know, I, I ask them how it's going on, and they're like, "Yeah, this was great," or "That was not so good." And mm. you know, like if you don't build the relationships, you won't get those messages. You they'll just ignore you. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Did you see the Thailand game yesterday? Where the the manager was on the phone. No, I didn't. Mate, the manager, she was on the phone on the side of the pitch. The Thailand manager, she. Um, she runs a business, right? While she's, while she's playing football. Yeah, so she, her business finances the women's Thai national team. It's fucking ridiculous. It's mental. Well, and then they, they pan yeah. to her, and she's obviously on the phone talking business while the game's going on. It's crazy. Yes, man. Yeah. But that shows the um, the discrepancy between the top and bottom club, like even national teams. Yes, um, exactly. So, for instance, like you look at America, like, yeah, they smashed them 13-0. They should have. They're all full-time professionals on you know, six-figure salaries. Yeah. Um, and they're all, the, the American setup is, is, a, is the national team runs everything, runs the franchise, owns the players. The players are owned by the franchise, not the club. It's um, whereas system. it's different. Yeah, 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 exactly. And everything's geared towards the World Cup and the Olympics. That's why America is so good at it. Um, yeah. Whereas you go to New Zealand and you've got a handful of full-time players. The rest of them are uh, part-time or amateur or at university. Yeah. yeah. And they're still 
you know, competing like their game against England in a warm up was one nil to New Zealand. They beat England and yeah. they, they didn't do anything spectacular. They defended really well, but they played with heart, you know, and yeah. that just shows the discrepancy between the top and bottom of the women's game, I suppose. Um, yeah. I don't think many people are aware of that. I think everyone thinks that they train like male footballers. Sometimes they do in this country. Some clubs do like the top flight clubs, the WSL um, clubs will do. They're all full-time however you look at Yeovil WSL club they're actually part-time because they can't afford it yeah. um, so that's, that's where the women's game differs massively from the men's game yeah and for sure and it also you know brings about a little bit on you know even the nature of your appointment was that yeah. because you know when they look at the the sort of the value we go into like the value of what they valued that women's program at it's like right we're, yeah. well, we're not going to give you a bloke that hasn't got football experience so he can't work with the men however go yeah, on, yeah. F- fucking yeah. let him go down the road with the girls and and see what happens and, and I know you as a coach and you you'd easily coach that men's academy side piece of piss you know and you've shown you know now what you four years later the what you've done the good work that you've done there's been it's been awesome but yeah it's like it's crazy and I've watched some of this um, I've, and I've really enjoyed some of these games like there's some they don't yeah. dive they don't fuck around no. do they and I think no, no, there's, no. there's a huge pride in that yeah definitely there's a lot more honesty in the women's game like for watching it like the fan base is growing massively as well but yeah. I remember the first time I went to a Chelsea game I watched a few of the tackles and I was like holy shit this is yeah. like watching rugby yeah. <laughs> Did you see Soccer just... Aid last night and Katie Chapman fucking yeah, mate, smashed one of them in the first half? <laughs> but when I, uh, I spoke to her a little while ago because she'd run a marathon as well. I chatted to her and I said to her, are you looking forward to it? And she went, the first thing I'm going to do is going to now someone. I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> go for it. So, yeah, oh, she's brilliant. that kind of player though. That's but, brilliant. No, so, ha- old school mentality. Yeah, well... You know, there's there's not not a lot of them in the English Premiership anymore. Um, no, and, no, not at all. You know, it's funny. I've been watching as well, and it's just interesting. Like all the women, pretty much all the women's teams are just running a classic four four two shape, and like they're just organised, and you know they've got a strong centre forward, a fast one. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. You know, and um, it's sort of. Yeah, it's been really refreshing because I don't really watch football that much, but it's been actually really refreshing to uh, to see that and I've actually enjoyed the games. It's a testament to the sport, and I think that's a big part yeah. of um, yeah. you know going you know, like things that we'll talk about later, the avenues and stuff that you're going down. It's going to be really, really beneficial. Um, but going inside, so when we're you know, because like the big thing about this and this podcast is like just being fucking brutally honest and stuff and obviously don't not yeah. try, don't try and get anyone in trouble or anything like that we don't do no, that. We're just not. like just telling the truth you know so when you go in you go into that program because this is how people learn really and these from these stories like you, you go in and that first meeting that you have with the support staff there because um this is what's really unique about your story is is is, is how you turn that performance department around um, mm-hmm. So that first meeting with with the manager or whoever, like what, you know, what was that like? Um, quite intimidating, really, because they're very much set on a, you know, down a particular route. She's uh, Emma, the manager, was incredible um, to work for. Um, you know, she had a good knowledge, of, well, incredible knowledge of the game. About twenty years worth of coaching behind her. Um, 
can't say a bad thing about her. The first thing she did, she sat me down, she put her method of periodization on the wall and she went, this is how I work. How yeah. are you going to fit into it? And I, I was just like, okay, I understand why you're doing A, B and C and I'll work around it in this sense and I can do this to complement that. And that's what it was all about. It was looking at it from like a... I'm not going to change what she wants to do. There's no way I can do that. Um, what I need to do is change how I work and how I deliver things to make sure it fits her philosophy. Yeah. Um, so I, I almost took like the, the vertical integration approach of when yeah. she would do really big extensive stuff, I'd do smaller acceleration, deceleration stuff. When she did um, lots of small-sided games, I'd make sure they were doing lots of tempo runs, things like that. So we were always complementing what everything she was doing. Yeah. Um, it was quite intimidating because... Uh, she basically turned around to me and she was like, I don't like S&C coaches, um, uh, but I've heard you're pretty good. Um, uh. And I was like, okay. And she went, um, you know, if, if you want to be the best in the women's industry, we can make you the best here. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, and I, I'm not saying I am the best. I think I'm pretty good, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, I think um, my experience with, with, her as a manager, she's an incredible person, uh, doesn't beat around the book, gives you it as it comes, and was great to work with because I knew exactly what she wanted. I knew exactly what she was going to do. Yeah. And because I knew what she was going to do, I wasn't going in there to, to rock the boat too much. And, you know, we're all spinning the same bloody wheel. Yeah. Going in there the way it was spinning, but it was going in there to help speed it up. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it was, it was all about just complementing everything they did and making sure I got the right buy-in from them to implement what I needed to implement over yeah. time. I didn't, I didn't go in there and just go, bosh, this is what I want to do. It was like, okay, here's one bit, here's two bits. And then before you know it, I've got control of the whole performance department. Yeah, well, that's it. And then you've gone, and, and also it's like the appreciation of the journey that you've been through from going, you know, um, helping out in the academy and stuff like and then running a senior professional programme. Yeah, like that's accelerated career development in its finest, and like going in yeah. and everyone, we always, you know, like I said, we always think that what we know is the is is the best thing until we learn something else. So you you go in as a as a type of coach at that time, and you know, it's like this. It can be very. I think naivety has its own. Um, a way of reinventing itself on you you're naive to every new learning curve that you have mm-hmm. and you know coming into that and it must be I think from where you just described that story which is, which is brilliant because um, I think that that level of communication is fantastic you knew you knew exactly what the fucking deal was you knew what the crack is yeah, yeah. and a lot yeah, of definitely. having someone very clear cut outspoken like that is probably a lot easier to work with and may have enabled you because there may have been some things straight away you're like well fucking this is off the table this is off the table this is off the table so you don't have to make that decision then so it allows you to then just worm and work in and like you will do it when you start something and then you know I mean you must have a story of like what was one of the first things that you brought in to the programme um so when we was first there, um, we had an off-site gym, so I um, we had to travel to the gym every every time we wanted to use it. So the first thing I actually introduced was really simple on-site um, injury prevention stuff, um, like just making sure we had a, like a proper prehab and a proper warm-up done that yeah, was yeah. in an, a like like a basic ramp ramp protocol. Um, 
Like one of the things I always said to him was, I'm, I'm not a football coach, I'm not going to touch a ball. I don't have any football qualifications or anything. So you want to do a technical warm-up, you have to do it once I'm finished. Yeah. Um, and they were more than happy with that. And um, yeah, so the first thing I brought in was some really, really basic stuff, basic levels of monitoring, basic levels of injury prevention, and um, just, just prescribing a really simple but effective I thought it was quite effective program for the players that they could mm. do twice a week a gym away um, you know and uh, when I first started there were players there that actually had external Western Sea coaches that they either invested into themselves or were getting through the FA um, when they were centrally contracted and it wasn't again it wasn't about me turning around and taking that away from them yeah. it was about me communicating with that S&C coach as to when it fits best in the in the schedule Yeah. and then it got to a point where the actual player I was just fitting that, that program into the week for them and the actual player turned around to me and went well actually you know what's going on do you want to do it for me now I said, yeah sure you know, so that's why you're there. getting it, getting a buy-in over time. It wasn't a case of no, you can't use these. It was like, look, keep keep doing it. That's what you know, and then I will slowly make tweaks and changes over time. Because um, you would hear like horror stories about players going off and doing like hamstring capacity circuits the day before a cap, uh, cup game, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Um, but that's that's because the SNC coach I was working with had no idea what the schedule was. Yeah. So, you know, so yeah, things like that. That was the implementing it was just basics first real real simple stuff yeah. um, then obviously over time back at the beginning did you get any kickback at the beginning uh, one or two players um, who had never really done any gym stuff so like uh, G for instance who had yeah. never really lifted in the gym I got her doing some deadlifts because she um, she was complaining she wasn't strong enough so I got her doing some deadlifts and then she started saying her back was sore so I got a little bit of a kickback from that I got a little bit of a kickback from another player who just hated doing leg stuff yeah. um, so I had to be quite um had to be quite inventive in the way I got her to work her lower body. So we ended up working um, a lot of the oxidative um, uh, cycling, really, more than anything, like uh, uh, high-resistance intervals on the cycling, yeah. just to give her like a strength, strength dose, um, yeah. whilst a bit of conditioning. Um, yeah, it was nice. something like totally that. different out, out of the out of blue it's something different but it was a way of me and I'd say to her look on set one you're going to focus on pushing on set two you're going to focus on pulling so she was getting that hamstring and quad stuff it's a little bit different a bit unconventional but it got her to do a strength dose that she wouldn't have actually done you just Um, fucking tried something yeah 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 exactly and she loved it so and and then she also really enjoyed pushing and pulling a prowler Um, oh amazing so yeah, so it was a case of, well, now I've found a couple of things that you love, let's just hammer those. Um, upper body-wise, she was more than happy to do upper body every day doing whatever. It just didn't matter. But lower body, she was always like, oh, no, I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to pull this. I'm going to pull that. So I had to be quite smart in manipulating a few things with her. Um, yeah, G hated gym at first, really hated it, kicked off yeah. a little bit. Uh, when she was like, oh, my back sore, she really kicked off about that. And then um, I sat down with her after about six months, and I was like, look, G, you're not – getting out of this you need to do it we need to make you stronger it's for you it's for your injury prevention it's for your better development mate we took about a year and a bit building her up and then in the spring series she was the strongest she's ever been fastest she's ever been fit she's ever been she even um she had an interview uh in one of our match day programs and she, yeah. the whole interview was her complimenting me and my work huh. and you're just like that's so cool you know yeah. I've, I've got it i've got it in my um on my bookshelf yeah um, amazing you know but she absolutely hated it, you know. And when uh, she was one, when she found out I was leaving, she she come up to me and she said, "I'm not happy. I'm going to go tell the manager you're not leaving." And I'm like, "Sorry, G." Yeah. So, 
Oh, yeah. that's, a, that's, that's really good though as well that you know you've got that's that journey and that's where you know players should be at clubs for long periods of time coaches should be there if they're doing the right work so you can build those yeah. long relationships and you know, like it's just yeah it's a you know it, all good things come to an end as well there is that to it but of having course, yeah. having that that process is amazing and you get the, you get the end products with it you get the end results and that's why you sort of do it and the for me you know for me it's not about applying science because you can apply it anywhere you can do that wherever you fucking want like you can it's it's getting these people that are the modern day gladiators of our time competing and doing well uh, the, the best that they can and that's kind of it and it's the yeah. ego rub for us because we've got in our results and they get the yep. results as well off the back of it the, I wanted to go back a little bit because is there a fear and a, was there a sort of a, a stigma around lower body training within the girls in football because obviously they don't they're, they're so scared of non-contact injuries as well aren't they yeah so um as far as I'm aware, there was only one or two players that had a bit of a fear of, of um, being fatigued more than uh, anything else because they yeah. felt like if they fatigued, they couldn't perform, yeah. um, which, you know, I sort of understand from a psychological standpoint. There was uh-huh. They all fully understood why they had to do it, though, um, because I think they were made aware of the risks of injury for women being higher and stuff like that and how important strength was and things. Um, yeah, for sure. So I don't think there was a fear around doing it. I think it was more a fear around fatigue and just not having it done in the right place, um, which I think, you know, the, the, the timing of your sessions is probably more important than what your session looks like. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they probably got wrong, where they had limited facilities. Maybe they did stuff too close to the games and they felt like it made them feel tired or whatever, um, yeah. you know. And it's just working around that. But, um, yeah, they were all really good. G, G just was a, a different kind of creature because she'd never really done it before. So she was just, she was happy to try it and then pissed off that she got doms, basically. And yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, you've got to do that. You've got to get through it, you know, so. Yeah, because yeah. she had no level of capacity. No, exactly. A lot of the girls, uh, the women, sorry, that I'd worked with um, had little to no experience. Uh, so Deanna Cooper, for instance, when she come to us, um, She'd been playing cricket for England Academy, um, you know, and she was playing football at quite a good level, Brighton, London B, things like that. So the level underneath ours, she'd never done a day of gym work in her life. Um, so when she come to us, it, introducing her to that kind of thing made a massive difference and just showing her what it takes to be a full-time pro. Um, yeah, so, but she she was never scared of it. She just yeah. needed to be introduced and built up slowly over time. Well, you don't, yeah, you don't know what you don't know, do you? And you know, no, exactly. And also, the, like you said, previous experience can, you know, uh, one sort of um, shit experience with a with an S and C coach or or charlatan yeah. can ruin. This is one thing I don't do think S and C coach. Yeah, I don't. I don't think a lot of S and C coach consider actually um, just because they're a pro athlete doesn't mean they've got a, a big S and C training age. Yeah. Like, for instance, we've got players that have come to us from abroad that have done like nothing their whole career, but they've been national team players their whole their whole lives. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Or you've got Canadians who have been drilled in Olympic lifting since the day they could bloody walk. So yeah. you know, it's like you've got so many different very. Um, 
very variations of experience there, very abilities as well there, and skill competencies there. You know, I don't think people take that into consideration. I think they write a program and just go, yeah, we'll do these frange Bosch single leg clean step up things with a dumbbell hydration ball, and it's like, well, actually, no, she probably just needs to learn to trap bar deadlift, yeah, or push a prowler. You know, do, do a single leg squat off a box, yeah, yeah, like basic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I think that's something that um, needs just back to basics. Like, yeah. I think, and if you're keeping things nice and simple, then you're always going to get a win. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're massively overcomplicated, then it just gets thrown out the window because they won't want to do it. Yeah. So how, um, and, and within that, because obviously it's, it's huge. Like, I've worked with some female athletes in my time mm-hmm. as well, but never a whole team of them. And yep. that's got to be quite interesting in itself because they are a different species to us, 100%. Yep. Like, women are, are smarter across the board. We still laugh at farts. Yep. So, like, yep. you know, there's, there's a lot of different thought processes that go on. They, they value things a little bit differently. And so, you know, how's that? Uh, it, for, for developing me as a coach, brilliant because yeah. it, Gave me nowhere to hide. Um, yeah. Like you say, they're smarter, so they ask questions, and they ask really yeah. good, insightful questions. So yeah. you always need an answer to everything you do. You can't yeah. just go, because I tell you. Because they yeah. go, nah. <laughs> Not doing <laughs> that. That don't work. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if you go, well, you're doing A because it will get you B, C, and D, then they'll do it. Yeah. Whereas if you just go, you're doing A because I say you're doing A, they'll do it, but then they'll be like, you're a dick. Yeah. And then they won't do it again. Yeah. You know, or or they'll go and complain to the manager, and that's not how you win your team over, really, is it? You know, no. getting getting your manager having an earful, and then she, yeah. then they'll give you an earful. So yeah, it was good, um, insightful. I learned a lot more about um, the physiology of women and stuff, and yeah. going into the what the mental cycle does on Jump injury in, rates, mate. how that imp- how that impacts performance. Yeah, so it's it's a lot more, uh, mate. It's it's big. Um, <laughs> it's complicated as a subject. Um, I'm terrified but, right now. <laughs> no, it's 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 something that I could probably talk for hours on and write about yeah. thirty posts on because because it's not fully understood the no. the whole complexity of it. No, it doesn't surprise me. I didn't either until I started working with the girls and then um, and then I started doing a little bit of reading and research around it. And obviously, with my manager being uh, previous manager being female, she was like, "Well, let's start considering what it takes to actually train a woman." You know, yeah. not just a foot. You know, we need to train women here, and that's what they are. And I was like, yeah, okay. So the menstrual cycle is pretty key. Um, Yeah, you're not training a small man. That's what you need to remember. You're you're not training a small man. Women are physiologically, biologically very different. Um, Hormone profiles are very different. Testosterone receptors are less. Free-flowing testosterone in the blood is less. The hypertrophy at different rates. Um, We had ACLs coming back and got men's staff complaining, oh, why is her muscle mass not quite where it needs to be? Well, because you're trying to compare it to a man. Yeah. Um, you know, and the research that you're comparing it to was done in males. You yeah. know, and a lot of the research, like um, Dr. Stacy Sims, um, she's incredible with her stuff. Her book called Raw. Um, she's incredible with all of the stuff in and around menstrual cycle, in and around menopause, things like that. She's a massive advocate for women's health. Um, she's great to li- read and listen to loads of podcasts and things coming out from her because it um, it makes you realise just how little you know. Um, yeah. and how complex it is and the thing is with the menstrual cycle is it's not only different between every athlete it's different every cycle so oh god 
the real complex situation as well is if someone's then on contraceptive and how that manipulates things. And it, it just, it's just, you're opening up a massive can of worms with, with this and it's very difficult. Um, but we did, we did yeah. monitor, yeah, we did monitor it because we were trying to, um, look for sort of particular, um, phases and we tried to split it down into sort of pre and post ovulation. Uh huh. Um, that would be if someone had like we'd have to collect at least six months worth of data to see what their like average cycle length was and we had people that were all over the place people that would be like 28 days and then 30 days and then 34 days and then people that would just be and we had some that were really regular um but what we tried to do was manipulate the gym uh work so that uh pre-ovulation they were doing more of the strength and build stuff post-ovulation they were doing more of the uh, maintain and recover stuff um why was that something uh it's all to do with um different hormone levels spiking and changing like for instance relaxing increasing increases your injury risk and stuff like that makes the soft tissues more susceptible to being pulled and strained um as well as like things like acls and stuff occurring um yeah and i think I think there's a there's a high correlation of ACLs immediately after menses, but I think that's more to do with fatigue and discomfort than yeah, the actual okay. re, um, relaxing hormone release because that seems to be highest after ovulation. Um, right. Again, I, as far as I'm aware, and when I look at all the charts and stuff like that, that's what I'm sort of guided towards. So, um, yeah, I think it's really complex, um, mm. but I could. Oh, well, I, I probably should at some point write all my thoughts on it down and see where I go. Um, yeah. But yeah, we we would try and sort of build and uh, post ovulation, pre ovulation, sorry, build and and develop yeah. the strength post ovulation, maintain and recover. Um, yeah, because I've got this thing. Because I'm thinking as well. So I'm I'm thinking right now. Obviously, you've got these high levels of fluctuation of, of hormones in females. Yep. You've obviously got you've got a, you've got an absolute clusterfuck on your hands, pretty much, because there's so yeah, much yeah. going on. And and I say that with the most respect. And but then also like what? Because then I'm thinking right. So obviously, one of my keen interests is is track and field. Right, and you see yep. these ridiculously lean track athletes, then they've mm-hmm. got, and, and obviously you know having a low mile and a low percentage of body fat can rapidly disrupt or if not lose menstrual yep. cycle. Yeah. So would you say, or like, for 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 a female athlete that's to be competing and, and possessing such a low level of body fat, like, is that's not good? Uh, health-wise, probably not, no. Um, yeah. But, like, you tend to only be at a low... It depends on your sport, doesn't it? Like, yeah. typically, like, a track athlete might not be that lean all, all year round, yeah. um, whereas a, an ultra-distance marathon runner would be and get into a minaria and stuff like that, start looking at a lo- loss of iron and things like that. Yeah. Um, and low ferritin levels and things. I think, obviously, I'm no doctor. You need to go and speak to a doctor and, and yeah. stuff about that, but... Uh, yeah, I think being too lean for too long is not good. We yeah. would always try and so we we did do body compositions, but I was never 
in the position where I was actually putting anyone in like a fat club. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I thought that was ridiculous because obviously everyone's different and we tried to make sure the body compositions were recorded on the same time of the month um, yeah. as best as possible so that we had the, the, the clearest um, comparison. But like you say, the, the time of the month changes. So we, yeah. we did our best. But um, Body yeah, comping we, we in like, pro sports hard anyway. Yeah, and for me, it wasn't like that big a deal um, yeah. because everyone's different. Yeah, yeah, Some yeah. people would, would need to be a little bit leaner, but that would come with being a bit fitter and getting your nutrition right. Um, so we, we never really used weight or body composition to penalise or categorise, um, but we did just have a look to make sure they were healthy more than anything. We had a couple of players that were obviously were very, very lean and very small, so we just wanted them to put on a bit of weight just to yeah. stay healthy. Um, yeah. And we typically went for like the 18 to 22 percent body fat range, yeah. um, to try and keep everyone healthy or as close to those markers as possible. Uh, which would is, you say that would be a little bit less for men? Yeah, 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 yeah. It'd yeah. be less for men, but for, for, uh, we were just going for like a healthy range for females. Um, we didn't want anyone particularly lean, um, like too lean. We wanted yeah. them to be natural. We wanted them to stay as well. We had some players that were slightly higher than others, and and again, that's all due to your biological makeup, like. Um, yeah. And that changes throughout the throughout the menstrual cycle. You know, you mm. get fluctuations in weight, you get fluctuations in water storage. Like relaxing, for instance, is a hormone that increases the collagen's uh, reception to store in water. Okay. So yeah. you end up getting that bloated feeling sometimes when you're on your period because you're storing more water. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's stored within the muscles as well. And and a couple of things we did do early on, I did. Um, regular jump test monitoring because um, yeah. I thought that was the way forward uh, very quickly realised that I weren't seeing much because football's aerobic not anaerobic so the CNS system wasn't as, as knackered as I was expecting yeah. but what I did see was when I started to put it against some of their uh, menstrual cycle um, phases trying to look for it I started to see increases in counter movement jump height up to ovulation and then reduction in reactive strength index like immediately after and that would be to do the <laughs> So we're starting to produce more and more power and then be, being less stiff um, yes. and landing not yeah. as well. So that's really fucking interesting. So that's what one. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like anecdotal. It's not peer reviewed or anything like that. But it's something that I found. Right. Um, Who are you talking to? I, I love anecdotes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But you know, that's what I was sort of looking at, and it it gave me some ideas of. Uh, making sure I was doing more of the extensive jumping landing patterns and making sure I was doing lots and lots of landing drills and mechanics with all players all the way through the year. Yeah. Um, instead of just phasing them in, like I drip feed them in like almost every warm up, almost every session. Like there'd be, yeah. it'd be every week that we'd have a focus for a particular day um, yeah. when we organize the week. And yeah. for instance, even if we had like a linear warm up, then a multi directional warm up, then a reactive warm up, like there would always be landing jumping mechanics drip fed into all of it in a different yeah. capacity or something so yeah that's cool that's, that's, that's I like that that's a great example of like very um, what I'd just say like a common sense approach to coaching where you've you've got some curiosity so you've you've looked to try and create some some numbers um, to try and back up what you're trying to trying to do which keep them fit and healthy then you've gone away had a little think about it looked at those numbers then you've found some rationale and then then you've applied something into your system to help that it's like yeah why why do people just not fucking do that or more often because uh, it <laughs> <laughs> 
Mate, oh, mate. Yeah. People, people just... Like, the thing is, um, and this, this is something that frustrates me, is that um, everyone wants to be always purely evidence-based yeah. uh, in, instead of evidence-informed. Um, yeah. For me, I think there's a big difference. You go and read the research, you have a look at what it is, you scrutinise the shit out of it, and yeah. then you see if it will apply or not. And then yeah. you take that and you sort of almost put it to one side and you use that to inform decisions. You don't use that to base all your decisions off. Like the yeah. Copenhagen, for instance, there's a massive, massive influx of people doing Nordics and Copenhagen in football, right? Yeah. The boring um, isometric with the eccentric um, lowering of the other leg. Um, yeah. Why the hell would you do that in women? There's no yeah. need. Yeah. Like, when you look at injury rates in female groins, they're, they're non-existent, if anything. Yeah. You want to be loading them through a dynamic movement pattern anyway, but you don't want to be doing that. Like, the research that was done on that was all in teenage boys in football. Yeah. So Which, people have instantly gone, this is a football research, let's deliver it because it's football. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 that's a, that's a piece of research into boys. Yeah, so you know, which is also like this is like this is brilliant because Copenhagen's and groins, and then if you look at female hip anatomy, and yeah. then go, oh fuck, have I ever seen a child being given birth? Like what position the, yeah. the legs in? And oh yeah, maybe yeah. that that it's designed to be a little bit more lax and be able to take stress, like pushing a yeah. child out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so what, what, when it comes to actually like programming, like that kind of stuff, I try to use sort of dynamic eccentric stuff like the slide board first. Yeah. Because they'd be able to go through like range. I probably, all the groin stuff, I pretty much stayed away from isometric work, if I'm honest. Um, occasional like squeezes and things, but not really like doing anything like the Copenhagen or anything like that. Because when we did trial it, it pissed people off very quickly. Yeah. Um, and we, we ended up with quite a few pissed off groins really quickly, so I was just like, "No, nah, it doesn't make sense." Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I took the, I took it off of a physio's recommendation to give it a go, and then I went and read the research afterwards, and I was like, "You numpty." Yeah. So, um, yep. so always read your research first. All right, don't listen all, to anyone. Yeah. Or always <laughs> read the fucking label. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So no, it's good, man. I like that. I like that a lot. It's very insightful. Um, so obviously now you're not um, not with uh, Chelsea anymore. After how many tri- titles and medals and trophies did you guys win when you were there? So uh, the league twice, the FA Cup twice, Spring Series. And got to the semi-final of the Champions League twice. Um, and then I was fortunate enough last year to be part of the performance and medical team of the year. So, oh, fantastic. Which is pretty yes. cool. Yeah. So, that's, that's, a, that's that from being through... Because this is where the story goes, doesn't it? Now it's from being chucked in to then developing yeah. a programme like that. And, you know, you shared a lot of insightful thoughts on on that. But the, the, the thing is, is obviously you're starting a new chapter and stuff. So what's next? Yeah, so um, so we had a little boy uh, who's a boisterous, absolute unit. Um, yeah. And I was sitting down when he was about six months old. I was like, this is a tough job and this is tough spending time with my son. And then when he was yeah. a year old, I sat down and on his first birthday and I was like, holy shit, I've missed his whole first year to work. Um, yeah. Because I was working six, seven days a week. I was traveling, you know, even when I was on... My, my paternity break I broke my paternity leave up so I could go and travel away with the girls to games um, which I kind of regret because it was the first two weeks of his life and, and my missus was in had a bit of a slow recovery um, so on his first birthday I, I made a very very um, 
I made a decision. I made a very informed decision, actually, to to change the way I want to do things, change my life. Um, I want to spend more time with my family, so I handed in my notice. Yeah, and, um, fantastic. Yeah, and now I've joined the fire brigade, the London firefighter. So awesome. Um, it gives me uh, a decent base salary to start things off with to support my family. Um, yeah. It gives me time to spend with the family, and it gives me a whole new set of challenges. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's a totally different industry and some people are like you're mad and I'm like well actually I'm doing it for my family because I've, yeah. I've been selfish for 10 years you know it's about time I give back to him and mate nothing is better than when you sit down with him. like yesterday for instance okay he was struggling to go to sleep because he's hurt his arm so yeah. I lied in bed with him and he's grabbed my face and he started biting my nose and giggling like yeah. that's the best yeah. thing in the world you know and yeah. and nothing compares to that no matter how many trophies I pick up don't compare to that you know yeah. so um so yeah, so I made the decision. I was like, if I leave S and C, if I leave Chelsea to go to another S and C job, I'm gonna be leaving the best to go to someone worse. Yeah. Um, so that's not happening. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go over to the men's game and get paid the same as what I was get paying and be someone's minion, um, yeah. because that's that's where I would end up being. Because because even though I've led in the women's game the whole program and we've been quite successful, um, they'd still see it as the women's game. So yes, I would probably probably end up having to go over to the men's game to be a, an assistant or something for probably a little bit less than what I'm on, which would require the same amount of work. So it doesn't work yeah. for me. Um, so, yeah, so I, I made a whole career change just so I could spend more time with my family. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I respect that a lot. I mean, we've spoken about this at length off, off of uh, yeah, But they get, um, you know, it does, it gets to that point where it's like, you know, I find myself in a very similar, not similar situation because I don't have two, like, you know, a small family, not that I know of anyway. Um, but the <laughs> the the idea, yeah, the, but the, the, the idea that you need to start doing things your way and start doing things yeah. for yourself and for your betterment. Um, yeah, and yeah, exactly. That's like, huge. It's very commendable. Yeah, everything I've done over the last four years, like Chelsea women's football team has been my whole life, basically. Yeah. And, and um, my wife's been on the back burner because of it, and she ain't fucking happy. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, so, yeah so I had to, had to make some changes, and, and she's my rock. If I didn't, um, I wouldn't be as successful as I am without her because she supported me for fucking everything. So when That's I amazing. when we first started getting, when we first got together, um, I decided I wanted to go to uni, and she was just like, okay. And then she went with me. So she did her degree in, um, at the same university as me. Um, but she got be- better offers from other universities in her area. But she wanted to come with me. So yeah. we went together. We did that together. We got married there. And then, you know, when I first started at Chelsea, I weren't earning particularly good money. She was earning great money. She supported me. So now the role's reversed a little bit. I'm yeah. supporting her while she's looking after Alex. And our next one's due in November. Um so yeah, Fantastic. fucking scary times, man. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's amazing, man. That's good, and I I, th- I appreciate your honesty because a lot of uh, oh, people get on podcasts and and they'll be like, oh yeah, no, it's all good. Well, no. anyone with insight yeah. knows it ain't fucking all good. Like it's tough. No, it can be. Yeah. It's 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 detrimental to the people that you love. It takes up a lot of your life and. I'm glad, like, yeah. obviously people listening to this podcast will know that you're a very intelligent coach. You've got a lot of value to give and offer people, especially, you know, you've got a high speciality within women's soccer and women's sport. Um, and um, you're taking on a few different other ventures as well. You're not giving up coaching completely, right? 
No, no. I'm yeah. I'm not giving up completely. I've got a. Um, I'm setting up a little business to, like similar to what you do. Actually, I take a lot of inspiration from the guys I've I've always followed, like you and Tom and guys like that. So um, I'm doing a, a little business very similar to some of the stuff you do, um, yeah. but more geared towards the women's football. So um, um, one of one of the ventures is a podcast. Yeah. that will be getting released around women's football at the moment um, interviewing players about their challenges and things like that um, yeah. I'm doing a little bit of one-to-one coaching a very small amount because um, I, I'm, I'm in a position where I can actually afford to be very uh, picky with who I work with so yeah, um, yeah I, I don't just work with anyone I work with like people that deserve it and want to work with me really like yeah um when it comes to my pt stuff i've not advertised any of it it's all been through them approaching me so which is quite nice yeah Um, it's perfect yeah so yeah and and my podcast hopefully coming out uh 24th of june i'm hoping to get it all going got got a sponsor sorting that out just got to get a few final things signed off um and that would be yeah like yeah it'd be good it'll be all right so um, you're gonna get you've got women's um Actual professional athletes on there, right? So my first series is all uh, female football players from the WSL and uh, the championships are the two highest levels of the game in this country. So I've got, for instance, uh, Ali Riley, who's the New Zealand captain, uh, Hedvig Lindahl, who's the most capped Swedish goalkeeper in history, um, Gemma Davison, who's an absolute speed demon that uh, played for Chelsea and plays for Reading. So I've got yeah. players like that on there, you know, Fantastic. international players. Yeah. Um and then the second series is like an MDT one with all different coaches and staff and stuff like that, physios, doctors, things like that. But I've also got another series lined up with all players again from international teams lined up. They, some of them have actually approached me, so which is pretty cool um, yeah. about being on. That's so, brilliant, man. Hmm. That's really good. That's going to be. I'm going to, I'm going to look forward to listening to that. And what's what's that? Uh, what's the name of that going to be? The podcast. So the. The podcast is the same name as my business. It's um, Satiris Barabas Performance, which is actually shortened to CP Performance. Um, Or if you're looking for me on social media, it's uh, CP Perform UK. Um, And the the idea behind that is it's it's a Latin phrase taken from uh, and used in economics. Um, And Satiris Barabas means all other things being equal, um, which I think is quite fitting in most of sport because... In sport, the constraints and rules are set. Um, you can't manipulate those, but what you can manipulate is you as an athlete. So the whole premise behind the podcast is in and around that education side of, of the athlete and the coach to manipulate to get that 1% better. The rest of the business is all about the training and nutrition side of things, but yeah, that yeah. podcast specifically is about the education. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's awesome. I think it's yeah, it's going to be... That's going to be really good. It's going to be incredibly insightful. So, mate, that's, that's yeah, I'm awesome. excited. That's really, really good. So um, you, I'm going to copy in your Instagram link into the show notes and stuff. And I know you've got a few things in the pipeline coming up. So when you do, I'll make sure I give them a share on my platforms and, and push that out because, you know, the voice that you have and the experience that you have for, especially for, and what we've learned is a highly complicated um training strategy with with training uh with training women there's a lot of male coaches that work with men's that that could really benefit just from yeah. listening to this anyway i found it absolutely fantastic so thank you very much mate. thank you no thank you i appreciate it and you know it's it's always a pleasure chatting to you sam i always learn something as well whenever i'm on the phone to you so it's good okay. cool